This morning's reading is from Acts 26 and is in three parts. It's verses 1 to 5, verses 9 to 18, and verses 24 to 29. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defence. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defence against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conformed to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when, they were, uh, uh, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa... As I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I answered, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defence. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar to the, with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, Short time or long? I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today, 
may become what I am, except for these chains. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Alex. So we come to our last week of our series on living his story. I really enjoyed it, but more importantly, it's given me something practical to get my teeth into. After all, being a Christian is not just about having ideas and beliefs, but fundamentally, it has an impact on how we go about our daily business, how we interact with others. It shapes our values, how we spend our money. It shakes up our priorities. So since the beginning of September, we have explored the fact that we all have a story to tell. How our encounter with the living Lord is transforming our lives. How we communicate that through meeting people where they are, through listening and how we are led by the Holy Spirit to share the good news. Relevance. This is something that often comes up for me. I don't know whether you have ever had that question posed to you. How on earth does something that happened over 2,000 years ago in the Bible have anything to do with me and the way in which I live my life today. When I was teaching RS, I followed um, John Sentamu, um, the then Archbishop of York's course, uh, called the Young Leaders Award. And this was all about making the Christian faith relevant. We looked at being the change we wanted to see. We looked at famous people's lives and how their faith had inspired them. People such as Malala Yousafzai, who won the Nobel Peace Prize for her stand on girls' rights in education. Maro Itoje, the England, rather lovely, England rugby player who gives all the glory to God on the pitch. And J.K. Rowling and her inspiration behind the Harry Potter books the fight between good and evil. A man over 2,000 years ago had such an impact on these people that it transformed their lives forever. Not to mention other people we looked at, like Gandhi, Martin Luther King, William Wilberforce, could go on. And we can point to people such as these to show the echoes of Jesus in our world today. We can engage with the popular culture around us to point to Jesus and lead us into discussion with others. Pretty much whatever we are watching on telly can speak into the gospel at some level. Doesn't everything tend to always come back to that battle between good and evil, darkness and light? And those questions that nag us deep down. Who are we? What is wrong with the world? With us? What's the solution? 
What's the future? If we are open and creative, we can use these opportunities that are all around us to start those conversations, to delve a little deeper. We don't have to have all the answers. Nobody does. But we do have to be willing to engage in that conversation in the first place. If you've been reading um, Hannah Steele's book that this sermon series is based on, you'll see that she has some great examples of some books and some films that can help open these discussions. Even Love Island. It has been said that creation was God's first Bible. And at this time of year, with the turning of the leaves on the trees, with the beauty that surrounds us, We can point so easily to the natural world to open up conversations to. And although the Apostle Paul didn't have films or telly to draw on, he had the great literature of his day to use as an opening into conversations. As we saw in our reading of Acts 17 the other week, when he quoted one of the Athenian poets. And in our reading today, we have a masterclass on how to give a testimony. Paul had the greatest example of transformation to draw on. And there are two things in particular I'd like to to draw our attention to and that jumped out to me when I read this passage. One was the way in which he spoke and the other was his mindset. By the way, If you have a moment this week, I really highly recommend you read Acts 26 all in one go and just look to see how Paul says what he says. Um, The words he uses, it's a brilliant um, narrative. So if you have five, seven minutes, it won't take you long. It's really worth just reading it all in one go. Firstly, Paul was really courteous and polite and respectful. In the um, NRSV version, in the translation that they do, he addresses King Agrippa throughout his speech using the term, Your Excellency. Whenever we talk to people about Jesus, whenever we pluck up the courage to start a conversation about the love of God, we need to do so with respect for the other, appreciating and acknowledging their views, their life experiences, and whether or not they want to talk to us about it at all. I'm reminded of the parable of the sower. Some will be really keen, some may be disinterested, some might well be hostile. And you know what? That's okay. But it could be that your friends are longing for a space to ask questions and have that conversation. Research carried out over the um, pandemic and ongoing research um, has, has pointed to the fact that people are asking those big questions like almost never before. Hence Justin Welby's visit last weekend to our diocese. There is a spiritual hunger out there. And the majority of people who come to faith Research backs this up. The majority of people that come to faith do so through someone they know, a Christian friend, to coin a phrase, 
It could be you. But ultimately, it's God's work. We just do our bit, and he takes it from there. And this brings me to my second observation. Paul's mindset. In response to King Agrippa's question, are you so quickly persuading me to become a Christian? Paul replies, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that not only you, but also all who are listening to me today might become such as I am. Quickly or not. I would suspect, and I could be wrong, I would suspect that most of us here today who are Christians have not had a Paul-like road to Damascus experience of transformation. You know, one day we were this way, the next day we were completely different. There might well have been a defining moment when we decided to turn our will and our lives over to God. But the outworking of what this looks like, what this means, can take a lifetime of discipleship. So don't be disheartened if when you do gather the courage to open your mouth about your faith, the immediate response is not that person falling to their knees and giving their life to Christ. We must remember humility. It is not our doing that transforms. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that enables people to see and to receive the love of God in their lives. We may be a small stepping stone on their journey, and we may never see them come to faith. I I love the Greek proverb that says, A society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they will never sit in. We have the great privilege of being part of the story, of partnering with God, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. We do what we are called to do. We listen to the silent nudges. We act, and then we let God do the rest. Coming to faith can take moments, or it can take years. You're never too old. And you are never too young. We trust that God knows what he's doing. And we pray. This is the most singularly important role that we have. Praying for opportunities. Praying for creative inspiration. Praying for those we know. And praying for the courage. There may be some people here today, there may be some people here watching online now or during the week who've never had, never been given the opportunity to ask Jesus into their lives. If that is you, then I'd like to offer that choice to you now. And if you would like to renew your commitment to following Jesus, then this is for us too. So I'm going to pray a really simple prayer. And if you'd like to make it your own, just say Amen at the end.
Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I am sorry that I have been living life my own way. Thank you that you died for me and rose from the dead. Please come into my life anew today by your Spirit and be with me forever. Amen.